Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. John 16, 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, which He has come, He will guide you into all truth. The Lord say all truth. Yes, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. If you study church history, you just find it's littered with a mess. I'm telling you, read the Bible. The Bible is littered with messy families. I was going through the Old Testament, and I could not find one non-dysfunctional family in the Old Testament. And one of the most dysfunctional families there are in the Bible is the family of Abraham. Isn't that crazy? The father of faith has got the worst family situation all, all the way down the line uh, seriously gets bad down when uh, Jacob and his sons and Joseph and all that stuff that went on. Uh, that should give us hope. Amen. That should just give you hope. If your family is messed up today, the Lord is saying, look into history. I, have, I used those messed up people and I did some wonderful things for those messed up people, those messed up families. You are not beyond repair. Your situation is not beyond repair. That's why God is not ashamed to say in the New Testament about one man that he had a heart after the Lord and he served the Lord in his generation, being King David, a man who just committed all kinds of bad stuff, didn't he? He was an immoral man in a lot of ways. David was a broken man. If you read his Psalms, we don't really talk about this much, but if you read the Psalms, you'll find a very broken man. You know, a very rejected man, a very, you know, insecure man. But God did some stuff in that man's life, okay, and made him David and the person that Jesus related himself to. Isn't that beautiful? So I just want to encourage you uh, with that. I don't really know why I said that. but, But the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority. For whatever he hears, he will speak. Amen. Isn't that sweet? Whatever he hears, he will speak. The Lord wants to teach us how to do that. He wants to teach us how to hear him. Okay? Better. And he will tell you things to come. So the Lord really is interested in the future. He's interested in my future and your future. Uh, and none of us really can see the future clearly. Right? None of us. No, there's, uh, because the Bible says this. We prophesy in part and we know in part. So even the greatest of our prophets that have walked before us only see a little piece because we see in part. So nobody sees the whole picture, yet the Lord really wants to begin to reveal things to us about things to come. Okay, so we can take the things that he's revealing to us and co-labor with Christ in building and cultivating the future that he has. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Did y'all get that? Because that's really key in how God wants us to live our lives. Is He begins to reveal things to us about the future. Not, we're not trying to predict the future, but He's showing us things so that we can work with the Spirit of the Lord as co-laborers with Christ in creating this future that He's showing us a piece of. Are you with me on that? God is just, things don't happen, hap, you know, they don't just happen. Oh. 
things happen because God wants them to happen, but he's looking for people who will cooperate with you. Some of you are cooperating with the world. Okay, and, and I'm not talking about in a carnal, sin, sinful way. I'm talking about in a fearful way. The world is full of fear. You are partaking of the world when you're letting fear rule your heart. Our friend last week talked about being afraid when the authorities were coming after him. Okay, when he was trying to escape persecution. Okay, but, and it was so great that he talked about feeling afraid. But he didn't give in to his fear. He didn't let his fear rule him. I hope, hope we're getting that. Because we're living in a world where that fear is not going away. That fear is going to be here. We as people of, of, of God are learning how to live above that fear. Amen. Well, um, let me read Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Are y'all good with me so far? Here's what I'm telling you. God's doing a new thing. All right, Isaiah 43, uh, if you're familiar with that chapter, many uh, biblical scholars and amazing people believe Isaiah 43 is one of the high points in the New Test- Old Testament because it's all about God's redemption. It's about who God is and why God created. It starts out in verse uh, 1 about how God created Israel. He said, I formed you. I created you. Don't you don't have to be afraid. You know, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. That's that's how the whole thing begins. So it's a very powerful chapter in the Old Testament that speaks of our redemption in Christ. And it's speaking of what God wants to do in the earth today. Okay? Is God wants to do something new in our in us and through us. Are y'all with me? I wish y'all was. Uh, it says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's powerful, isn't it? That's kind of, a, for me personally, a revival, a couple of revival verses. When the Lord moved in revival in my life, it, that verse would always come to me. That God, you know, the Bible says in Revelation that, uh, that uh, the spirit of the Lord is a spirit of newness. Behold, I make all things new. And so God's working in people's life to make things new. It says, now it shall spring forth, meaning it's already begun. God's already began something, y'all. And he has good plans for our lives. He really does. He has something good for your life. And he wants to do something new in you. There's something new that God wants to bring forth in you in this season and time. And he, and he said, let go of the former things. Uh, focusing on the past, whether it be your regrets or your sorrows, or too much, you're just not willing to let go of what was good in your past. I don't know about y'all, but that's kind of how I find my fault is I, I want to hold on to the good things that God's doing after he's finished doing them. Becky had a dream recently. This is interesting. The dream was we were on a train somewhere, probably in another country because we don't ride trains in America much, but you do in a lot of European countries and Asian countries. But we are on this train, and we were with Grace, Grace being a human being, but really 
Grace wasn't a human being. And we stop at a train station, and Grace gets off the train. But we sit there. The door's shut, and the train takes off, and we see Grace. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, Grace. We've lost Grace. Grace is our daughter. <laughs> uh, so the next station, we jump off the train to go back to the other station to find Grace. But the Lord, we said, well, Lord, what does that mean? He said, it's grace. You, you, you can't keep going where you're going if grace has stopped going there. You got to, you've got to follow grace no matter where grace goes. You've got to pay attention when the grace of God begins to lift in your life because God is bringing you to a new place. Are y'all with me on that? So um, when we get overly focused on the good or the bad in our lives and from the past, we miss what God's doing in the present. Okay, we miss the very thing around us that God wants us to, to embrace and to have in our life. And some of you are missing it. And I'm, I've been one of those people. Okay, um, I wanted to tell you about this dream I had years ago. Are y'all okay? I had this dream years ago about the power plant. Y'all, and I know about power plants because in my other life I worked in power plants. In fact, when you turn the lights on in your house... In this area, there's a power plant down here off on the lake that I helped, in a little way, design way back in the day. Uh, so I understand power plants real well. So in this dream, there was this really ancient power plant. And the people who, had man- who were managing that power plant mismanaged the power plant. And they said, would you go and take care of the power plant, manage the power plant for us? And I said, yeah, I will go into the power plant and do it. And so I went into this power plant, and it was amazing. I I went through the whole power plant, and everything was there that we needed. The power plant was functional. I went through all their warehouses and looked at everything, and in my mind, I, I knew, we can do this, okay? We can do this. God wants to release his power, okay? Now, I knew that dream was real prophetic for a time, where God was going to teach us how to not generate power, but distribute power. Okay? We're, and so I read this recently, this thing, and it reminded me of a dream. This is a guy named Dutch Sheets. Some of y'all love Dutch Sheets. But I just happened to randomly read this thing that he said. He said, we are distributors of power, not generators. We are in the distribution department of the kingdom, not the production department. Are y'all getting this? This is powerful. When we keep this in the forefront of our thinking, we can remain in our rest of faith, spoken about in Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. Isn't that beautiful? And so what, one of the things that God wants to do for us is get us back into a place where we're no longer realizing we're trying to produce something. Okay, we're not the producers, we're not the generators, we're the distributors. And one of the things that hinders the power of God from working and flowing in our lives is we're trying to produce it. We're trying to make it happen where God, that old power plant and that dream was literally 2,000 years old. You know what happened 2,000 years ago? Do you? There was this thing called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out, that was the power plant. God has set already in motion His power. 
It's already been laid off out in the earth. And, and so what God, and if, so when you read the book of Acts, what you see is people who are distributing the power. And, we, and the, what the Lord was telling me in that dream years ago is, you need to learn how to be a power distributor. Everything's in place. The power's in place. You just need to learn how to distribute it properly. Well, that was a long time ago, so you can see how bad I am. Yes, sir. Well, let me say this. So that's one of the things the Lord wants to do. Isaiah 43, it's a time of redemption, okay? And it's a time where God is looking for people who are willing for His power to flow through them, okay? And there's a cost on that for sure. Um, in the world, we are in a time of significant change, right? You know, don't, we need to pray for the nation of France right now. Anybody know what's happening in France? France is literally being burned down right now, destroyed. You won't see that on the main news because they don't want you to know about it because that's their plan for America is to burn our country down, okay? And these riots and these people who, you know, it's just a big mess over there, uh, we need to pray for them uh, because God doesn't want any country to burn down. He doesn't want countries to be destroyed. But when a door is open, well, well let me just say this, y'all. We, we're not dealing with political things. We're dealing with pretty high-level spiritual things in the world today. Okay, we really are. We're dealing with, you know, powers and principalities that have been released into the earth somehow. And these powers and principalities are not, they've always been around. They've been around, they're in the Bible. That's what the good news is. They're in the Bible, they got beat once already. You see what I'm saying? That's why they're in there. For the Lord to show us, I've already beat those guys. Jesus has been far above, is what Ephesians says, all powers, principalities, rulers, and dominions, far above them. And, get, and then it says, we're with Jesus. We're, we've been placed in Him. So we have to learn how to deal with those things. And when a lot of the stuff that we do doesn't deal with them because you can't cast those things out. But you can wrestle them because you've you got, you got the high road. You've got the high place. Okay. Well, okay. So, when change when changes come in life, we often find it unsettling. We've been unsettled for years now, it seems, right? But even when the Lord does a new thing, it can unsettle us. I'm telling you that now. Even when the Lord begins to move in a fresh way, Every church that has ever experienced revival have watched people walk out the door because they were offended by what the Lord was doing. Tell me that is not the height of insanity. It really is. And that's one of the reasons we don't know how to distribute power because when God moves, we want to move away. A lot of people do. You watch them, they'll move right to the back. But then you get some people who... Y'all want me to mess with y'all? You get some people who are what we call pew warmers. They have sat in church for years, bored and sick and tired. And when the Lord starts moving, all of a sudden they're at the front praying for everybody, calling the fire of God down. Because God has moved on them. 
And there was something in them waiting from that moment, even though they didn't know it. So which one are you going to be? Uh, which one will you be? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Um, there's two messes in the world. There's two messes in the church. There's the mess that we create every day. Every church service, we create a mess. We bring our messes in here. We're messy people. It's impossible. Okay? Every, we're just a mess. Then there's this other mess. Okay? It's called the mess of God. And God comes into places and He makes a big mess of them. But guess what happens? There's fruit that happens. Where our mess is, we've got to clean the mess up. And we're mad. That's not fruit. You know, God has a fruit that He wants to release in the earth. It's only going to come by the power of God coming. We were praying this morning. That was beautiful what they were doing. Praying that people who didn't feel loved. You know how love comes? The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit pours the love of God out into our hearts. The very person that people want to walk out the door when he starts showing himself up is the person that you desperately need. It's him. He's God. Well, anyways, we like stability, right? Change is often scary because it is unknown. We're in an unknown time. I don't know if you know this or not. We're living in an unknown time. We've never experienced what we're experiencing in the world, ever, in history. Go study history. It's a lot easier to stay with the status quo, to stay with what we know, right? It really is. But the Lord is doing something new and wants us to not focus or try to hold on to the past, but embrace Him in this new season. That's what He was telling me. You need to embrace me. Grace got off the train. You need to get off the train. Because Grace is going somewhere else now. And you need to get on that train where Grace is headed. Okay? Um, how many people here know about Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> Fleetwood Mac was a group back in the day. You know? They were pretty amazing. They got some bad stuff on them, obviously, which many rock and roll people did, but. They had this song called Landslide. Y'all remember Landslide? Of course you do. Here's one of the lines in Landslide. Well, I've been afraid of changing because I built my life around you. I've been afraid of changing because I built my life around you. This is what the Lord told me years ago when we had a revival. He said, you cannot build your life on a revival. He said, you can build your life with a revival, but you can't build your life on one because it's going to come to an end. A lot of us build our lives around a situation or a circumstance because it's, it's wonderful and beautiful, but everything on this earth has an expiration date on it. Everything's going to come to an end. I can remember when our kids all left the house, okay, as when they grew up. And our, all the three of my kids, believe it or not, were real sociable. One of them, it took them a little bit more time than the other, but they're all real sociable. That means there was always these kids coming in and out of my house for years. Okay? We would, it was a joke. And we'd get up in the morning, we'd walk downstairs, and we'd see piles of shoes. Oh, there's a bunch of kids here up there sleeping somewhere. That went on for years and years. And you know, we'd just come home. I mean, literally, we... 
there was this one certain kid that would show up at my house at 5 o'clock in the morning, walk in the door, open the refrigerator, and get food out. And I'm sitting in there, who the heck's coming in my house at 5 o'clock in the morning? It's because it was a second home to them. Well, the day came when my kids all moved out. And guess what didn't happen no more? All those kids are used to kind of like, well, what happened to all those kids, Becky? Well, they weren't here to see you. <laughs> you know? And so you have this lifestyle based on these, all these kids and stuff. But it comes to an end. It comes to an end. Everything's going to come to an end. So what we had to be careful about is not building our lives around something that's going to come to an end. As a parent, you have to realize your job is to raise that child up and get them out there into the world so they can do what you did and do it better, hopefully. Do it way better, I'm thinking that. Well, I don't know if I'm getting to the point here. But, uh, we cannot build on revival or a move of the Spirit, but we can and should build with a revival and a move of the Spirit. That's one of the things. Um, let me read this one more verse. This is not really a... I hope y'all get something out of this. Romans eight twenty two and 23. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors and with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Isn't that beautiful, that scripture? I think many of you probably would know this groaning inside of you. There's something in most believers, if you really let the Lord have his way in you, there's a thing in you. There's a desire in you. There's something in you. You know what I'm talking about? That's a groaning, okay, for, for, for a more fuller expression of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, so at the first of the year, you know, we had this amazing thing happening in the United States. Remember Asbury? Y'all remember Asbury? And it really was like, oh my gosh, God is doing something really good and really amazing. And he's doing it on a college campus with young people. Young people desperately need, this generation desperately needs the Holy Spirit to come on them in a way to show them who he is. Because they're not really interested in Oldsmobiles or Buicks. You know what I mean? Oldsmobile and Buicks is their father's cars. You know, they're not really interested in their mother's and father's spirituality. But they will get really interested if their mother and father are really Holy Spirit people once the Holy Spirit grabs them. And they begin to see that all this Marxism and socialism, all the lies of hell that have been released in the past few years for this young generation that's destroying people's lives. And... Uh, in world history, if you study history, you just see that socialism is one of the greatest destructive forces that the devil has released on humanity in all of history. Millions and millions of deaths. Uh, and it's come, to our, it's come to us. It's come, it's come here. And it's all about control. You know what I'm saying? It's all about somebody controlling your life and telling you what you can have and what you can't have. And that's really kind of anti-Christ, don't you think? And so the Holy Spirit's going to really reveal himself. And we were so excited 
about what God was doing out there in Asbury, and, and there was a belief that it would spread. There was a belief that it would continue, and it did spread some, and it may be continuing somewhere, right? It could be, we don't know. But the people at Asbury felt like this is what we've done, what we were supposed to do. We don't really know exactly all the thinking behind what they did, but they said, we're going to end it. It didn't end there. It didn't dwindle down. They just said, we just think we've done what we're supposed to do. We're going to stop it. And so you could either find fault with that or you could just trust that they did what the Lord told them to do. Right? But that was a birth pain. That, that was something. That was God releasing a birth pain into the earth. Because God is going to birth something in the earth. That was just like a woman laying on the delivery table. And these pangs that come on women that most men don't know about unless you've been in there with your wife and she threatens you. (laughs) You know? It's called birth pangs. So what I believe is I believe we could be in this time that they call transition. Women know what transition is, right? It's the most critical time in a birth. I know something about it because I went to a birth class. I watched videos. I watched these videos. You know what? We, watched, we went through this whole birthing class back in the day. We, then we watched some videos at the end. I said, Becky, I can't do it. Uh-uh, there's no way I can go in there and do this. I, it's just it's messy. It's, it's loud. There's blood. There's stuff. It's dirty. It's that's not for me. It makes me queasy. It makes me really queasy. I don't want to do this. You're, you're going, Byron. <laughs> but when it's your wife laying there with the messy and your baby popping out, none of it bothers you. You do anything you can like to help them through it. You know, I'm here for you. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, that was the way it went. Yeah, yeah. What we learn uh, about transition in the bourbon class is, this is this instructor said, it's, transition is like this. There's this urge to push. Do not push. Because it's like driving your Ferrari out of a half-open garage door if you push. That would be bad for the Ferrari and bad for the garage door. In other words, it's going to hurt the the lady and it's going to hurt the baby if you try to push this baby out during transition. So I've got this belief that we're in some kind of spiritual transition right now. And the worst thing we can do is push. The worst thing we can do is try to force this thing. This is how you have a revival. This is what you need to do. Listen to all the revival preachers and figure out how they got it. That's not going to work right now. Can I read this transition scripture to y'all? <laughs> Actually, Sarah Gellin really started proclaiming this this morning. 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the old... If you have problems when people say transition and change, if that really makes you feel sick on the inside, just remember this Bible verse. It'll make you feel happy. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, what? From glory to glory. That's transition. From something to something. The problem is, it's that in-between moment. It's you're in, you've had this time 
that felt glorious to you, or maybe it didn't feel glorious, but it was glorious. Because every time is glorious with the Lord if we'll let it be. And then things happen that shift, and that time is no longer with us. So you're in the two moment. You haven't entered into the second glory yet, the greater glory. Are y'all with me on this? This will help you. This will help you if you listen to me. This will help you. Because God does never, never stops doing this. Because God is always interested in changing us into His image. Making us more Christ-like. Conforming us to His image. Transforming us by the renewing of our mind. He's constantly at work taking us from glory to glory. What He wants us to do is begin to recognize this. Are y'all with me? Um, But just like uh, for many, let me read this. This is medical. For many women, the transition phase of labor is the most challenging Emotionally, they may experience restlessness, irritability. Becky Davis Wicker, irritability. Very irritable in there. Nice to everybody in the room except who? Me. I was the dog in the room. You know, like, okay, I'm the dog. You want a candy bar, Becky? I know. I want you to leave me alone. Just do what I ask you to do. Otherwise, be quiet. Well, discouragement and confusion. And that's really, that's really what happens to a lot of believers when we find ourselves in this transition time. There's this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling that we've missed the Lord somewhere. There's, feeling, there's this feeling of something is wrong. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Or am I the only person who gets these feelings? I've just missed the Lord. Lord, I don't really love this thing as much as I used to. I just don't have this passion for the word anymore, Lord. I don't feel your love, Lord. I don't feel like I want to worship no more. I don't even want to go to church, Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The things of God don't really attract me anymore. I'm just doing it by what we said this morning. Well, it's the truth, so I'm doing it. Well, I'm a pastor, so I ain't got a choice. You heard the old story. I'll tell you this right quick. Are you good? Here's the old story. One morning, this kid gets up, and the mama says, Hey, we got to go. Today's Sunday, we're going to church. He says, Mama, I don't want to go to church. I'm, I'm done with church. She said, No, you're going. He says, I'm not going, Mama. She said, You have to go. Why do I have to go? Because you're the pastor. <laughs> That's a pastor joke. <laughs> but it just tells you that everybody feels the same. We all feel the same. We get into these places, and we feel like we're not being satisfied, we feel like something's wrong. Perhaps we're in this transition. Are you hearing me? Perhaps we're in this moment in time where we don't push because you're going to mess the Ferrari in the garage up. You know? So many questions and uncertainties arise during times of transition and change. That's where we find the church today. Many questions. How should we handle this? Should we be speaking about this? Should we be addressing this? Should we be doing that? There's lots of questions. In the last few years, there's never been so many questions. There's been, never been so many new thoughts that have come that we've had to try to figure out how to deal with. You know, and, and forget. Don't forget. We're a church. We're supposed to be spiritual. We're supposed to be about God. But we've got all these other things coming in on us. Right? And we're, we're wondering where we're at at times. 
Okay, y'all good? What should we do? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I hope y'all getting something out of this. I don't know. Uh, Isaiah, maybe I forgot how to preach. <laughs> Isaiah 61 through 2. Y'all love this verse. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For, ye, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness the people. But, everybody say but. The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. I love that verse. So number one, this is what this verse tells us. And this is Old Testament, so we got, we've got this. There is a measure of glory that you and I already have. There's a measure of glory because if we didn't have that measure of glory, none of us could give God glory because the only thing we can give to God is what's been given to us. So we have this glory already operating on us. We're just not, most of the times, not aware of it. Are you following me? Uh, So what we need to do is what it said here. It says rise. So we need to rise in the glory that we already possess. Okay, rise in this glory because when we rise in this glory, it's going to attract more glory. So when we're in this transition, arise in the glory that you already present, and it's going to attract more glory. And that is what the Bible calls being kingdom-minded. That's what the Bible says is the way the kingdom of God works, is you have not because you, what does it say? Not you have not because you ask not. That's a good one. But there's another one that says, To him who has, more will be given. To him who doesn't have, what he thinks he has, well, he'll lose it. Because he doesn't really have it anyway. That's what Jesus said in, in Matthew 13. To him who has, more will be given. So when we rise up with what? With the glory that we already possess, the things that God has already begin, given to us, then it's going to attract more glory. Does that make sense? That's, that's the biblical answer for the moment we're in. Every one of us, we need to rise up to the glory that we already possess. Oh, Lord have mercy. Kingdom stewardship, glory to glory. You must discover the glory of the moment that you're in to go to the greater glory. Did you hear that? Y'all ain't believing that. You must discover the glory that you already have in this moment to go to the next glory. You got to you got to value the moment. You got to place value on today, not tomorrow, not yesterday. You can value those things, but this is where you're at right now. And if you really want to come into a greater glory, You've got to value the glory you already have. You've got to discover it. You've got to find out what it is. So, what glory do you and I already possess? I'm trying to help you. I don't know about you. That's what I think. Okay, I've got to rise to the glory. What glory do I have? I'm going to tell you. It's in the Bible. All right. John 17, 22. The glory, this is what Jesus says, which you gave me, speaking of the Father, I have what? Given them. That they may be one just as we are one. That's the glory of sonship. Of daughtership. 
See, you are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter. And that's where we begin to rise in that. When we begin, that's like the foundational glory of God that's been laid upon us. Jesus made it. He's the firstborn of what? Many brothers. And he shared that family thing with us. That we're children. We're sons and daughters. That's the, that's, Jesus says, that's the glory I've given them. I've given them this glory. They have this glory. So when we begin to rise in that, in our true identity as sons and daughters. And then in Revelations it says, and I think verse 6 or 7, chapter 1, it says that we are called to be kings and priests unto our God. That's another glory that we need to rise in. Those are like our assignments on this earth. So when we begin to rise in our assignments, what has God called you to do? What is your purpose on this earth? You're a king unto the Lord. You're a priest unto the Lord. You have to rise in those things if you want more glory to come. You can't sit around and think about what God's going to do tomorrow and not be doing anything today in terms of your identity. Can I read this one thing to you? Thank you. I appreciate that. If you want, this is, this is moi. If you want to succeed, this is what the Lord told me one time, a long time ago. I wrote it down. If you want to succeed, you must be your true self. Like, oh my gosh, I can't be my true self. People will hate me. No, that ain't, that's not the truth. You must be your true self, not who you want to be. If you want to be successful in the Lord and really in life, you've got to be your true self, not who you want to be, but who you already are. Who you want to become may develop over time, but not until you find who you already are. Are y'all with me? That's glory. Who you already are today in God's eyes is glorious. And God is saying to all of us, you need to find who you are and you need to be the best version of that, not who you want to be tomorrow or next year because I always wanted to be, I had this dream for my life, this is what I'm going to do one day, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And that's when the Lord told me this. Like, you got to stop. Stop. Who are you right now? If you'll find out who you are right now and begin to live that. And the Lord, I said, well, how the heck am I going to find out who I am? I'll tell you. And the Lord will tell you who you are if you ask him. He'll tell you. He'll begin to speak to your heart and reveal to you who you really are. And it may surprise you. Okay. So, it is, man. So, let me just read this verse. Well, I got two more verses. Maybe three. Y'all good still? Is any of this making sense? Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Uh, Hebrews 9, I forget which verse. You know what it says about Jesus? He's a high priest of good things. That's what it says in Hebrews 9. High priest of good things. Some say good things to come. Some things say things that have already come. But he's a high priest of good things. David said, and we sing it, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. I said, okay, I'm done with this follow business. I'm turning around and letting it catch up. I literally said that when we were saying, I mean, I'm just done running. I'm done trying. I'm getting off this treadmill. I want goodness and mercy to catch up on my life. Sometimes we just need to take a little time out. 
and say, goodness and mercy, I'm waiting on you. If you're following me, catch up. And it's the truth. Well, let me just tell you what happened to me now. This is really the whole reason I gave this message. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went off to for this Father's Day weekend with my uh, oldest son, Aaron. And uh, <clears throat> so we went up to Virginia, no, Tennessee, to the wilderness in Tennessee. I'm talking about, you know, country, mountains, cool as cucumber, amazing place to go side by side. Y'all know what a side by side is? Not a four wheeler. Side by side, you get in it, it has a steering wheel. It has, you can drive it on the road if you put license on it. He's got two of them, so it was just me and him. Philip, my other son, couldn't go because he had to go fishing. <laughs> my, these boys, I can't keep up with them. They're doing stuff constantly. So, so we're going up here. It's a five-hour drive, so we're in his truck with these two side-by-sides on a trailer behind it driving up to Virginia or to Tennessee and so you know and I was wanting to sleep so bad but I knew Aaron didn't want me to because I would start dozing off and he'd start talking to me every time <laughs> finally I said okay maybe I can pray and stay awake because I was so sleepy <laughs> and I, so I started saying Lord this is what I said Lord I started thinking about this scripture Lord, I just, I just want to taste some of your goodness because I, I feel like in my life, I, for a, I've not tasted it in a while. That's what I said to him. I'm just not tasting your goodness. And I said, Lord, I can look back on my life now, okay, and I can see your goodness that I couldn't see in the midst of that moment. I just couldn't see it. In other words, there was goodness that was happening, but I was blinded to it for whatever reason. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I was too busy. Maybe I was too occupied. Maybe I was too distracted. Maybe, maybe I didn't think it was good enough. Maybe it didn't measure up to my expectation. But now, Lord, I see it because hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? Hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back on our past. And we can see the bad things we did, right? We can say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh, my gosh. I wish I wouldn't have done that. And we also can see with 2020 vision the beauty of the Lord. See, here's the way it works with the Lord. The Lord always looks more beautiful in the past or in the future, but not much in the present. Now, I'm just telling you, that's just the way, that's human nature. We tend to miss, it's like you can't see the trees for the forest. We're in the middle of a forest right now, and there's a beautiful tree in this forest, but we can't see it many times. So I said to the Lord, Lord, we're, I believe we're in this new season now. I believe things have shifted. And, and I'm seeing like, oh, even though I had some bad times in this past season, I can see your goodness. I had some goodness happening in my life. I'm so sorry, Lord. But then I said, Lord, you know what I'd like to do in this new season? I would like to go ahead and start seeing some of your goodness instead of waiting until I get out of it and looking back with my 2020. I want to be able to look at it now with my 2020. And right when I prayed that prayer, I looked up at this, there was this billboard right at me. I just looked up and there it was. And you know what the billboard said? It's time to taste. And I thought, uh, I think God just spoke to me. 
you know. And for the next two days, I began to see stuff that I had prayed for for years, over 20 years. I began to get a glimpse of something that I was one of my greatest prayers. I began to see it manifest in front of my eyes, and I realized the Lord was showing me this is what we're doing in this new season. We're going to have some answered prayer. We're going to have some prayers that maybe people even forgot is going to get answered. That Isaiah 43, we're going to have some redemption of situations. We're, we're going to do some things that's going to really make a difference in people's lives. And you need to tell people, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you that I'm good. And you're not going to wait till you get out of it to see it. I'm going to begin to open the eyes of people's hearts where they'll see it in the middle of it. That they'll be able to see the beauty of this forest they're in. Isn't that amazing? I can tell you, I'm not going to tell you all the particular details because it's very personal. And It is easy to miss the trees when we're in the middle of the forest. It really is. It's, it's easy to miss the Lord in the middle of life that we're in. With all the troubles, all the difficulties, it's easy to miss Him. But the Lord's going to give us the ability to discern Him. And He's going to do it by showing us His beautiful goodness. The next verse, I'm going to finish this on time, y'all. The next verse in, of Psalm 34. And oh, by the way, let me tell you about Psalm 34. Don't you? Here's what you make the Bible more interesting. Every book, every chapter you read, try to study a little bit, find out the background of it. Like the Isaiah 43, that makes it like beautiful. Wow, this is redemption. This is a redemptive chapter. I'm into this. Okay. Psalm 34. You know how David, King David wrote Psalm 34. You know when he wrote it? He had to run away from Israel because Saul was trying to kill him. He was hiding out and he had to act like an insane man. And I think it was... I forget the guy's name, the king, the king of the Philistines, the god of the Philistines, the ruler of it, one of the lords, they were like seven lords, I think, of the Philistine. Abimelech, he had to act like a crazy man in front of him because he knew Abimelech was going to kill him. And he had slobber running down his beard and he's scratching the walls and scratching the floor. That's what the Bible says. That was David's situation because he was in such a pickle. And he knew these guys were going to kill him because they knew Goliath came from that guy. Yeah, Gath. He, he knows some stuff. So this was the, the occasion of this psalm. This psalm didn't happen when he got caught up to the throne of God. This psalm happened when a man was at his worst moment. But he saw the goodness of the Lord out of that moment. He saw God move on his behalf. See, sometimes we get these illusions about Christianity. And it's an illusion. It's a bad illusion. A lot of the beauty in the Bible came from people that were tore apart in their life. and Broken beyond measure. Every promise of God that was given to him up to that time was crushed. Oh, yeah, we anoint David to be the king. Oh, I'm the king. I'm having to act like an insane man just to stay alive. And he had his parents hid over there somewhere trying to protect them, had to protect his family. So I think a lot of times we get this bad thought. 
And then David, you know, well, anyways, the next verse says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There's no want to those who fear him. There's no lack to those who fear him. So David connects the invitation to taste and see the Lord's good to asking the Lord to give us a revelation of the fear of the Lord. A true revelation. Not And fear of the Lord is an awesomeness of God, how awesome God is, how we become in awe of God. That's what we like. We're not in awe of God. I promise you when the church gets in awe of God, it'll be a powerful church. That's the, that's the power distributors. It's people who are in awe of the Lord, where God awes them. Awes them more than their circumstance. Awes them more than what? Oh, Lord, the economy's going to collapse. Well, I'm more in awe of the Lord. That's what David said. If you'll be in awe of me more than you're in awe of that, you'll be taken care of. You can do everything you can do to protect yourself and protect your family, but in the end it will fail if God's not in this thing with you. You, I'm telling you. And so that's what David's saying. Can I read Hosea 3, 5? Just to give you something. I just love this verse. It says, After the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Listen, they shall fear the Lord in his goodness in the latter days. In other words, what this is saying, in the latter times there's going to be a revelation, there's going to be an anointing that's going to come. The fear of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord will be revealed to the people. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.